1: On the way, I'm Jen Delvaux, and I'm here with Marcia Lane-McGee and Shannon Wimp-Schmidt, authors of Fat Luther Slim Pickings. And we've been talking about their chapter on Easter and how it's jam-packed with particularly uh, important messages. And there's one thing that's tucked in there, and it seems like such a short little component, but so, so critical, and that's, you call it the primer on the black church. And I'm curious, I guess, um, if you'd like to share a little bit about that. And I, I honestly am just amazed that you condensed that down as short and briefly as you did, because I have a hunch there's a whole lot more you could say. Um, yeah. But I'd, I'd love if you could share a little bit of that with our listeners. Yeah. So the
2: black history primers are sections in the book that we put in to kind of give people some background on things that to us as black women who know our history would be familiar with, but maybe people of other cultures aren't, or maybe you've got some history. You know, a lot of people know about like the three fifths compromise, which uh, was a constitutional thing. Uh, but maybe don't know about things like, um, African-American genealogy and how people had to choose their last names after they were enslaved. Um, after the civil war so things like that um so we put those in there to kind of give context to the story uh so that you know people could enter into it and fully understand that we what we were saying i'm going to defer to marcia on the black church because she grew up in it. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, and the black church that was created you know out of it was a response to being excluded from you know, worshipping with like from black people being excluded worshipping with white people. And, and a lot of that still also grew out of slavery and times of that we were in, our ancestors were enslaved and they had to create their own worship spaces. Um, and so the black church kind of grew out of that. A lot of those traditions you know um the spirituals the singing the lessons um even at black weddings with the jumping the broom that all Mm -hmm. kind of grew out of that time of enslavement and created those traditions and the foundations for the black church
1: i know that a recent study came out from i'm thinking it's pew i'm drawing a blank Mm -hmm. at the moment probably need more (laughs) coffee uh but what was really i think Could have been surprising to a lot of people who are in those large white suburban parishes is the fact that the vast majority of people of color in the Catholic Church don't worship with people who look like them. And I don't think people realize the impact that that can have. And I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about that.
3: Well, oh God, Well, I, that would be me again.
2: <laughs> I have opinions too. but no, oh, Shannon absolutely has
3: opinions. No. But people are more likely to look like Shannon than look like me. And as someone, I came from a background of where everyone looked like me. Mm-hmm. I grew up Protestant and every single person looked like me and they were quite literally my family. You know, like, because <laughs> like, that happens a lot. My granddaddy was a preacher. Mm-hmm. And going into spaces where To worship and be accepted, there's a lot of assimilation that happens Mm -hmm. when you worship in places where you don't look like everyone else. And that was the first time me worshiping like full on as a Catholic, I had to make myself fit than already fitting. And Mm -hmm. that has a huge impact on us and the, the way that we worship and the way that we practice our faith. And there are some things about my faith that stayed hidden for a long time and not like you know secret hidden but you know singing gospel songs Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. or you know like my own praise and worship in my house and you know my tambourine I own one it's very exciting Um, (laughs) listen every single person that grew up in a black shirt owns a tambourine or can make a tambourine out of some change in a cup like I'm gonna be real with you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so there's, so there's a lot of hiding away, right? Mm-hmm. Where, and it's sad because I, when we talked about it um, at our presentation at C2 on Friday, when we talked about hush harbors, and I was like, when I first joined the church, I had my own little hush harbor, you know, mm-hmm. in my home and that and it kind of made me really sad about it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh goodness, <laughs> you know, all the ways that I assimilated so that I could fit into worship instead of bringing my whole black self to the church yeah. <laughs> and worshiping yeah. as I am.
2: Yeah. And I think that I, I think I experience this like as someone who works for the church in a more of a structural way, you know, we know that our church ordains men and that male clergy are going to sort of be at the top of the, the ladder. And that's who we are. I'm not complaining about that. But as a woman of color, uh, especially in America, where most of our clergy are um, from European cultures. I rarely see myself reflected in the leadership of the church and also rarely um, see sort of a, sometimes an attention paid to my experiences in the way that they're different. And that is not a a reflection on a negative reflection on our clergy, but, you know, we all absorb things from the wider culture that Mm -hmm. we assume, and we also all feel most comfortable in our own culture. And so we make decisions out of cultural assumptions that we maybe don't think about, you know, some of the things I think about, like as an American, I assume that I need to be friendly to everyone, but I studied abroad in Italy and they were like, <laughs> very like, why are you so intense? Right? Like, why are you coming <laughs> at me with this mm-hmm. like, yep. friendly smile? Why are you talking to me? And that's just a cultural assumption. It's not a bad thing. Um, but I think that that affects people of color in a way that many people of European descent don't realize, especially um, those in leadership. And I include leadership in that. And so there's a, a real and um, really important um, work that needs to happen to include people representative of all cultures in those decision making processes. Um, And to be able to acknowledge that their experience of maybe a decision or their experience of of a liturgy is going to be different because of their cultural expectations. And especially for us who are sitting in the pews, uh, who are um, maybe of European descent, as I am, uh, we have to try to recognize those places where What we're doing is either, is it a universal thing? Like Mm -hmm. on Good Friday, we all venerated the cross. Like that's a universal thing that we all do. Or is it a particular way that we culturally expect to worship? For example, I always go back to the organ, you know, good old Pope Benedict said a couple of years ago, you know, the organ has pride of place in the liturgy. Um, And I'm not necessarily going to contradict that because I love a good organ, but if you're in, say, the Amazon or the Caribbean, uh, the organ doesn't hold up very well as an instrument, right? <laughs> and so uh, you tend to get things like guitars and mm-hmm. drums and other and flutes, things like that that are different. And so our music looks different because of that, because mm-hmm. it is a cultural piece of the puzzle. And so um those are things I think we all need to be aware of and don't get me wrong I still wanna sing all like give me holy 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 with a giant organ in a cathedral love it. Uh but also, you know, there's nothing wrong with the rest of it too. In fact, it's very, very right to celebrate all of our cultures in our universal church.
3: I know that well, like... I did grow up Protestant, and we the organ is love here. an organ yeah. like like, we, like that's it. I didn't know there was any other instrument. <laughs>
1: I'm I I used to work at Holy Name Cathedral and got totally spoiled by their uh, organ there, oh, yeah. which is phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Um still waiting to hear uh, Star Wars played on it personally. That's like mm, life
3: dreams. Yes. But
1: yes. I think that's also one of the reasons why I loved World Youth Day, you know, despite the utter and complete exhaustion that any group leader who's taken a group of young people there. But it is such a great variety of how we worship as church and, you know, it Everyone's coming together and, you know, the especially the vigil when you've got everybody literally camped mm. out for, you know, about 24 hours to see all of the different people from all around the world bringing all of their ways that uh, they help to express their love to God and their love of the church and the Eucharist. And so I think one of the pieces that's great about how that book is structured, again, to circle back all the way to the beginning, is there's (laughs) discussion questions and reflection questions. Mm -hmm. And so whether it's somebody who's cracking it open to read on their own and can sit with those, or it's really built so well for a small group to dive into, And so I really encourage folks to take this opportunity to head to Ave Maria's uh, website or Amazon, wherever they purchase books, so that they can pick up a copy of Fat Luther Slim Pickings. And we have just a minute or two left, and I'm curious if you've got any final words for our listeners.
3: I do. Of course. Um, So I just want to let people know that the book is also available Um, in Chicago, a Black-owned and woman-owned bookstore called Semicolon Books. It's on diversity. Um, So if you haven't bought the book yet and you want to support Black women and support, you know, us as Black women, um, (laughs) Semicolon Bookstore on the north side of Chicago. I know they for sure have it online. You can buy it in their online shop and you will be supporting them.
2: Great. And also, along with that, if you are doing this in your parish or in a small group, uh, we have a further study guide because, um, as we say in the study guide, we like to drop hits like a like once every couple of years, we're just <laughs> going to have a mega hit. That's how we are. Uh, so you can get that for free at avemariapress.com along with other materials as well.
1: Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much for giving so generously of your time and for the phenomenal book that is Fat Luther Slim Pickings. Thank and uh, yeah. I hope our listeners also take the opportunity to catch Plaid Skirts and Basic Black Podcast. So take care yes. and God bless. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank
3: you. <laughs>
4: Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. I'm a seminarian The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continuously to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash
3: seminarianfund or call
0: 312-534-7959. At Catholic
4: Charities, we want to remind you that we are here for anyone who is a victim of domestic violence or anyone who has a concern about someone they think may be a victim. Domestic violence affects millions of people each year, both women and men, of every race, religion, culture, and economic status. It includes physical, psychological, and emotional abuse inflicted in both subtle and overt ways. The impact on children can be devastating. If you or someone you know are victims of domestic violence and you are looking for a place for healing and recovery, call us at 773-935-3434 in Cook County, and 224-430-4977 in Lake County. A safer, happier tomorrow can begin today.
1: Welcome back and we're gonna switch Topics considerably here. And it might seem strange that this segment's going to be talking a little bit more about how we're responding to the war in Ukraine. But, you know, part of being a missionary disciple is truly living our faith out in the world. And to share a little bit about what is going on, particularly to help the Ukrainian refugees, I've asked uh, Sister Kasha from our office to join us. And Sister Kasha is a Verbum Dei uh, sister and is. From Poland herself, with many friends and family still there who've been working in uh, really incredible ways in order to uh, help reach out to the community and support these over 4 million individuals who've been fleeing the war and atrocities. And so, Sister Kasia, thanks so much for joining me today.
0: Thank you very much. Good morning.
1: Good morning. I'm curious about the fact that, you know, it's been absolutely astounding. We see so much in the media, and particularly because we have so many Polish co-workers and so many Polish Catholics here in Chicago. We see so much work and such beautiful work being done by the Polish people. And I'm curious about why this immense generosity and why this is so important to the Polish people.
0: Actually, it's a very difficult question to answer uh, because it's true the pictures of real war are in our home. Mm -hmm. And somehow um, there is a grace of human capacity, of compassion within us that urges us to do something, to not just stand and um, sit and uh, just uh, not be part of this moment. So actually... um, it's true that usually I am very uh, busy uh, in Chicagoland here, but in this time I, I have connected a lot with my friends, with my family, by phone, um, by messengers. And it's true, in the beginning we really didn't believe that this work can start, mm-hmm. will start. When it starts, we, of course, were afraid because... Um, Ukraine is very close to Poland. Then when we realized we are part of NATO, so somehow we are safe. Mm-hmm. Um as a members of NATO, we wanted to do something, but we couldn't do enough to really um stop this war. So we are lingering a little bit in in frustration. Mm-hmm. And then actually. The very small videos with um, pictures of train stations crowded with the women, with children, trying to get to the train and to escape for the safe from the war awakened us um, the baggage of our historical memory. Our grandparents, our parents, were also running away in the Second World War from the war to look for the safe place. And they couldn't find it at all. So that is why uh, we wanted them to experience something different, that they can really find a safe war. We also uh, a sa- safe place, safe place. And um, also for us, um, Ukrainian people very courageous because they are fighting for for the freedom and for us the freedom is a very high value and we really want and we say we see that uh ukrainian people they really have the right to celebrate the independence day the same way how we are celebrating here july 4th of july Mm -hmm. so I think it's a lot uh, to really help the women and children so so. their beloved one can defend their own country in this time of, of war.
1: I know you've gotten... Uh you've done your own uh, fundraising through homemade t-shirts which i think most of our office now are ready to wear all the time but that uh, you in sending that money you started hearing more stories about what those needs were what was being done and i was just wondering if you had a, a couple of you know the stories of what's happening what are the needs and how are the polish people responding to the refugees
0: uh yes, so actually, uh the first person um that I listened um it was the brother-in-law of my cousin he uh He registered his uh house as open to receive the refugees, and they received the family from Sudan, a uh, married couple with one child. So they welcomed them and give what they needed. But after some time, they figure out that they could travel from Berlin. No? Mm-hmm. Um, my uh, cousin, uh, brother-in-law, is in Warsaw, 14 hours away from Berlin. But this family received a plane ticket to Sudan from Berlin.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So uh, my cousin with, um, with the brother-in-law, he just, uh, after work, after a day of work, they get into a car and drive 14 hours uh, to get them to, to Berlin and they get to the, to the airport. So this is uh, one way of, of helping uh, my friends from um, the parish, uh, my home parish in Warsaw. Uh, they also created some kind of uh, web between themselves to, um, to receive the families and i connect with them they receive the families with the many children like six children seven children so uh, they were sharing with me that uh, someone could pay half a year of rent to uh, for the family so they can live in one apartment they can rent apartment they were also looking for for uh furniture so because they didn't have any tables and uh yeah beds anything when i called to my brother he was telling that every weekend he's going to the stadium uh, stadium uh, where um, the first women are coming and he's making the shopping list for whatever they need and he goes to the shop and and bring the uh all whatever they ask um uh, for, uh, for the needs. Also, uh, another friend, her daughter, actually, she's uh, quite, uh, known, uh, Compositor and singer in Poland, Sanach, and she, uh, she composed her song that mm-hmm. speaks about the reality of refugees, Ukrainian refugees, and also, uh, she, um, provide the benefit for, for, uh, for the refugees. So there is a lot, a lot of different ways that families um, are responding uh, for the needs, basic needs that are there at the first round. mm mm-hmm.
1: And it's incredible when we, you know, look around here in the Archdiocese, too, what people are doing. I know a group of predominantly Polish uh, communities in the Archdiocese have gathered materials. Um, I St. Bernadette's Parish in Evergreen Park has over 600 boxes and already $55,000. Uh, St. Hyacinth had, you know gymnasium full of supplies and, and is already sending more and more out. The They've been working with the Legion of Young Polish Women and the Junior Board of the Polish American Medical Society. Uh, it's absolutely astounding the generosity of the, the Polish <sighs> community and all of those yeah. who are responding to the needs of Ukrainian refugees. And I want to make sure our listeners and those who might be watching on the YouTube channel it can be really challenging to figure out what to do and, and how to respond. And I know on the Archdiocesan website, we have a pray for Ukraine. And, you know, this is probably the time when the adage pray as if everything depended on God, but work as if everything depended on you really applies. So the Archdiocese website has some great prayer resources to help pray through this time, but then also links to support the refugees. And that includes uh, local <laughs> And in addition, uh, a personal favorite of mine, Catholic Relief Charity, uh, or Catholic Relief Services. And so you can be assured that if you wish to help with this crisis, you can donate specifically in those um, places. And as they're showing our YouTube uh, followers now it's sitting there but otherwise you can go to dot and it's part of the banner on the top of the page and um sister kasha we just have a couple seconds left but i guess do you have any closing thoughts for us is there um I, you know, one of the things I know I've been wrestling with, and I just invite the community to keep this in prayer, and we thank you for your time today. God bless.
0: Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.